0: So for our viewers on YouTube, this is for you. For our listeners, wherever you're listening to this podcast, check out YouTube later to catch the joke here. But this is literally what you're looking at right now on YouTube is a before and after. Before, about 2 o'clock, 2.30 on Wednesday. After 3 o'clock on Wednesday. Because uh, Farwell's in a full suit. I'm in a hoodie and a snapback. That is because we... We're wearing our suits before the Rangers attack game announced it was canceled here on Wednesday. And then as soon as that happened, Farzy, I had to throw on the hoodie, get comfortable, you know? Well,
1: it's funny you say that because I did the exact same thing. And then when we learned the game was canceled and we realized, oh, well, instead of working an actual game tonight, let's take the opportunity to record the intro to our podcast. I thought, well, you know what? Why let this suit go to waste? It was going to be worn tonight. I'm going to put it on because I'll be honest with you, Popey. At this point, I'm not sure I'm going to get to wear it on Friday either. So let's You're, just ooh. Well, let's just bring you in behind the curtain just a little bit here. Uh, usually, these podcasts are recorded in their entirety on Monday nights. That's the day we interview our guests most often. And most often, that's when Popey and I do this introduction to the podcast. We decided this week. That we should wait because there was a big game. And by big, I mean big between the Owen Sound Attack and Kitchener Rangers scheduled for their Harry Lumley Bay Shore Community Center on this very night. And we thought, you know, with all the talk and for the record, I think it was going to amount to a whole lot of nothing. But nonetheless, with all the talk about the quote unquote war at the Bayshore, we thought, yeah, we might sound a little bit out of touch if we record our intro on Monday. Let's let's wait till Thursday and then we can discuss whatever it was that happened on on Wednesday. So here we are, not at a game, having learned three things today. The Erie Otters have 13 players in COVID protocol and the Rangers will not be in Erie on the weekend, nor will the Guelph Storm, for that matter. The Kitchener Rangers and Owen Sound Attack are not playing as we record this Wednesday night. I think the number of attack was 15. Don't quote me on that, but a bunch of attack players. And then the OHL announced after that that Barry and Sudbury scheduled for this Thursday night also canceled because Sudbury not yet clear of those COVID protocols. Three such announcements, one day. I don't want to dwell on it. This is a sports podcast. We need a break from all the COVID stuff, but I'm going to tell you, this has got a real eerie feeling to me because it's not just here in the Ontario Hockey League. I saw the commissioner of the National Football League on my sports channel earlier this afternoon when I was trying to avoid the news news. We know there are cases in the National Hockey League. We know there are cases in the NBA. And it feels like deja vu all over again. I promise I'm not saying any more about it. That's it.
0: So so the attack did come. Oh, I going The attack did come out and say that they have players confirmed, because I didn't see anything like that. I've I've been off the internet for a while here since I came home. But
1: again, I, I I cannot be confident of that number, but I I I have confirmation. I don't know if it was on Twitter or not, but yes, there are confirmed cases with Owen Sound players. And they are all, by the way, either asymptomatic or feeling mildly unwell, which is the same we've heard from Erie, which is the same we heard in Sudbury, which is the good news in all of this for sure.
0: Yeah, hopefully everybody who has been affected um, feels better. I tweeted out, Owen Sound did play Friday and Saturday in Flint, and Flint had played Erie on the Wednesday before. Obviously, Erie with 13 cases, you'd expect that's where... You'd expect that's where it came from, I guess. I I don't know. I don't want to speculate either. But
1: What's wild is as we're recording this right now, again, on Wednesday night, the 15th, the uh, I-75 rivalry is underway in Saginaw with the Firebirds
0: taking on the Saginaw spirit. So there you go. So maybe it wasn't? I don't know.
1: Yeah, Uh, Yeah.
0: Regardless, I'm trying to look at it glass half full because somebody said to me, on Twitter, my good friend Dan said that, you know, the uh, the standard response from the OHL, I don't know, an abundance of caution, it's getting overplayed. And I said, you know what, it is getting overplayed. <laughs> and I'm sure they'd say the same thing, because I'm sure they don't like saying it. But at the end of the day, I'd much rather them just cancel the team's games and practices and whatever they need to do to get things under control because I like what they did with Erie. They shut things down. I like what they did with Sudbury. They shut things down. So they have protocols in place. I think the league's doing a pretty good job here, regardless of how they're putting it out there and the terminology that they're using. I like what they're doing. I think you make a really good point there. If you want to be glass half
1: full in this, it is absolutely, again, because we mentioned this when it was first uh, brought up in Sudbury and they were shut down for a couple of weeks, scheduled to return this weekend, right? That we said this is a sign that the OHL's protocols are working. They are on top of things. I think it's fantastic. My concern, Popey, is that we now have the Erie Otters involved, the Owen Sound Attack involved, the Sudbury Wolves involved. Who knows about the Flint Firebirds as they're in action tonight. You want a glass half empty. What happens if we hear about more cases tomorrow? And the more teams that get involved in this through no fault of their own. I don't think anybody's doing anything wrong, right? There's not a big COVID party going on somewhere like the old chickenpox parties. That's not happening. It's just, it's what we're dealing with, I guess, with this brand new, highly transmissible variant. But the protocols, yes, are working. My concern is the number of teams that are currently affected the impact on the schedule. Part of me says, "Look, it's the last weekend before Christmas anyway. Shut her down and just swallow hard and figure out the second half when the second half comes around." But in this province of Ontario right now, where we don't know—well, they're they're trying to accelerate third doses, et cetera—I just think the the window is a little bit too wide, and and you might be you might be a month before you feel confident again 6 weeks before you feel confident again i've heard from fans that say my tickets aren't going to be used i don't care if it's 50% capacity at the odd on friday night i'm not going to the games anymore i'm taking a break i, I just i don't know again I don't, I don't i really don't want to dwell on this it's a sports podcast i have a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach that's all
0: it is a sports podcast but this is the main story around this league and like to the point where i'm getting texts from people that i deal with in my real job hey How's the sound game going? Curse word. Here we go again. Right. So that that's all they're talking about. I got a phone call from another guy I deal with in my real job on the way home tonight, and <clears throat> he said, "Sorry to hear about Erie and Owen sound, buddy. Hope you have plans this weekend." <laughs> right? Because, but that's what people are talking about. People want to know. People are asking. Well, what tickets are go- are going to be good for? You know, the odd. Are my tickets going to be good? Can I still come to the game? I don't know. But yes, I'm with you where you look at it's the last weekend before Christmas, shut it all down. But to me, this new variant, extremely serious, obviously, as we, you know, more people get uh, get diagnosed with COVID and we have more cases. But the important thing to remember here is from what we know right now, as we record this podcast, no member of the Ontario Hockey League has had to go to the hospital. There is, I look at this as there is a very good chance. And far as you have said this to you on our many road trips, uh, I think five hours or 10 hours in the last week, week and a half, I think we spent the vehicle. Um, but I look at it and maybe it's right or wrong, but I look at it as we're all eventually going to get this at some point. It's whether we have the vaccinations in our system that will keep us out of the hospital. And to me, I'm looking at this. We're upwards of over 30 people in the league that we know about confirmed cases, and no one's been in the hospital, so I think that's pretty good. And why? Because they're vaccinated. But here we yeah, are. Yeah, I listen. I think that's a great point. And
1: and we know so far, again, as the time of this recording, as of the time of this recording, uh, one person worldwide uh, has had a death linked to the Omicron variant. So that's also a, a a good sign if you want to look at it that way, considering the number of cases vis-a-vis the number of deaths. And I'll tell you right now, my third dose is booked for December the 29th and it cannot get here soon
0: enough. Bring it on. I tried. I tried to book. I'm not old enough, I guess. Well, I got to wait till the Monday. Finally, the old guy gets the right. break, baby. Hey, <laughs> you go before me, buddy. Cause I'm healthier than you. That's right. <laughs> well, your liver, not no, so much. I'm not, but... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sadly. Um, did you watch the Dallas stars game last night? Let's turn the corner here. I, I didn't
1: see the game but I followed along as best I could on social. And look, it's a, it's a great story, particularly, and I'll let you tell it from the Rangers perspective, but it was awesome to see a couple of OHLers in Ty DeLandria and Riley Damiani get called up for their NHL debuts with the Dallas stars. Now I can't remember if it was on the podcast, Popey, or if it was on our broadcast that we were talking about uh, Joe McDonnell. I think it was on our broadcast, but anyway, Joe McDonnell now, uh, head scout director of scouting with uh the Dallas Stars who had his four rings with Detroit et cetera, but had put together a pretty nice collection of OHLers and uh, one of them certainly paid dividends in that debut last night
0: yeah of course tied uh, to Landry had been up before but the solo lap goes to Riley Damiani former Rangers forward and captain um I was just pumped we we were talking in the vehicle about Riley and I or, uh, during the podcast actually when we spoke to Cam this week and we were looking up Damiani stats because he had such a good year last year in the American league.
1: That's what it you're, was, you're yeah. like.
0: Yeah. You said to me, kid's going to get a shot, isn't he? He's going to get a shot. <laughs> Two days later, he gets called up. Ostradamus over here. Um, but it was, it was good to watch because Riley was one of those players that a lot of fans loved in his time in Kitchener, just because of how hard he worked. Um, and just a good kid off the ice. You know, one of my favorites, in my time dealing with uh, players in Kitchener. And just to watch him take that solo lap, and it was weird. Like, I'm watching the game and his first shift. I was like, Ooh, uh, oh, damn, it. Uh, you know, I'm like, I'm a fan again watching the NHL. I haven't been a fan watching the NHL in probably six years. Um, but for, to see him get that goal in the opening game, I was just like, go figure. Of course he is. Like, just continue to prove people wrong. Cause I'm sure people saw him out there in the warm up, went, look at this small guy. He's not gonna be able to make it. Yeah, how about a tuck in my first game? But then well, I think you saw 15 seconds of ice time after that. So, And I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Just continue to
1: prove the doubters wrong. Because I remember, Chris, I remember so well when this kid came into the league as a rookie. And it was really early on. And he was taking a, a key defensive zone face-off. And I remember talking to who my broadcast partner was at the time, Mike Torquia. And, and we just got to talking about... And and even, it was Torch that really pointed out, he says, it shouldn't surprise you that he's taking this key face off in the defensive zone. Watch his 200-foot game. And so then you became, I became much more aware of how responsible, but this was a rookie at the time, remember, how responsible Riley Damiani was at both ends of the ice. And then Torch and I came to the same conclusion. The kid's got the tools. The question is, does he have the size? And people are still asking that, but mm-hmm. I will also add and it ties right into the tools, that goal that he scored in his NHL debut last night was not a chump's goal. That was a legit beauty. goal. It was a beauty. The goal, he's still sliding over. I know it's not great positioning, but he had to go upstairs with the shot. He did. But even before that, if you're watching the highlight closely enough, Damiani did a really nice job to keep the puck alive and then continue a cycle in the offensive zone. Yes, they were against the tired St. Louis line. Doesn't matter. Kid, small-ish in his NHL debut doing the little things that lead to his opportunity. And then he buries a real beauty. If he never scores another NHL goal, that's a hell of a goal to retire on.
0: Who cares? Yeah. You, you played a game, you scored a goal, you've done, shut it down. Right. If If, if he never plays another game, which I'm sure he will, I even liked his little, You know, making himself an option while the puck's on the half wall on the other side that you got it over there he could have stayed high in the zone too many people in there slides a little lower that pass comes across like it's just the little things that he's done since day one in kitchener and i just i was so happy for him but um uh speaking of captain of the rangers gets his first nhl goal captain of the london knights back in the ontario hockey league luke evangelista cut from team canada mike farwell your thoughts. Got the Hockey
1: Canada snub. I'll tell you my thoughts, and my thoughts have been the same with this team and the vision for it for many years. I thought that maybe Hockey Canada had moved away from that, but this indicates to me that they have not. Look, in mm-hmm. in my opinion, not putting Luke Evangelista on the team is a rather large, if not mammoth, mistake. The guy's all-world talent, simple as that. But what I believe happens in situations like this is Hockey Canada comes in with a vision for the kind of team that they want. So we need two scoring lines, we need a checking grind, you know, uh, a big checking line whatever and then the grind line whatever it's going to be. And and they they try to then find players to fill those spots. What I have said for many a year and I will say again here, just take the best damn players and then tell them what you want them to do and they'll be able to do it because they're the best damn players. So this to me just reeks of, you know, they had their top six forwards and they didn't think Evangelista fit their vision for a third or fourth line player. And now you're going to cost yourself an opportunity to have that kind of talent on your third or fourth line. Even if you just told him to check, that's fine. Tell him to check. Luke Evangelista is good enough to do that. Is he though? Yes, he
0: is. Of course he is. He's one of the best players in Canada. Why? Just yeah, give him an assignment. Yeah, and Tell him to we... do it. That's see that you can't do that. Yes, you like, can. No, no, you can't. He, like, he's a very he's one of the best Farsi, players in the country. Yes, you can. You can't. Francesco Pinelli. I'm we're Ranger centric, and we, we go there because when we're arguing, we see the same team all the time. But Francesco Pinelli is a very good player. Can you ask him to go and be as dominant as Luca Evangelista? No, because he's not, not. able. Because because he's, he's not able to right now. Right? You but can't that's, take right apples to oranges. You, and this is my thing you can't sometimes there are players in this world that are good at one aspect of the game and not good in another aspect that's why a lot of players when they get traded they get another opportunity put in another situation they get another role luke evangelista cannot play bottom six he can't why that's why he he got cut why can he not play bottom six i have not seen any listen luke evangelista is an unbelievably talented offensive hockey player right so you're telling me he's fast he's good with the puck and all that yeah. I don't know so what else you want. There's so many other players in the world that are better checkers than him, better grinders, better guys that are going to get in the dirty areas, want to kill penalties. In a tournament like that, you have to be very selective. That's why you got cut. Go. I'll tell you what,
1: here's what's going to happen. Here's what does happen in tournaments like this. So often, it's one of those early round games where you find yourself in a grind game against a lower ranked opponent. And all you need is a spark. You need that extra goal. You never regret not having enough defense. You regret not having enough offense. And if Luke Evangelista is there on your third or even your fourth line, and suddenly he's that offensive spark you need when you're, you know, you're trailing Germany three to two, then that's what you're going to need. If he's the best player, he's the best player. Just give me the 23 best players and goaltenders in the country and tell them what you want them to
0: do they're the best players they can do it you, you, I honestly don't think you could be more wrong well, I, I just you you have to be able to play that style that Dave Cameron wants you to play and, and but some the, he, but players fit that style more and you also have to remember take off your OHL goggles because yes Luke Evangelista is one of the top players if not the best player in the OHL right now but of the OHL players that made it, who are you gonna take him instead of? Will Cooley? Will Cooley's much bigger, he's got a better shot. Then you're looking at Shane Wright? No. Like you're looking like Mason McTavish? No.
1: I listen, if you're looking <laughs> for the OHL argument, I I'd make the Uh, I, I'd make the Will Cooley argument. It's it's an awfully, it's a horse race for sure, but I think we could make the argument, but not just the OHL players. There's no limit. You could take, you could take 20 OHL skaters if you wanted to. For sure. But I'm, I'm I'm just saying, and yeah, maybe my OHL glasses are on, but I, I, I'm simply saying that yes, there might be players who play roles on teams right now, checking roles that are more experienced checkers than luke evangelista i get that but i'm just looking at pure talent who are the best hockey players and i believe that the best hockey players can do whatever the hell you ask them to do that's my belief
0: and some can like sid others can't yeah but they they just can't right and i think honestly evangelista is one of those guys if you if you hold up will cooley and luke evangelista and i'm watching both their games and i'm the Dave Cameron and the hockey Canada brass. And I know one of these guys is making my team, but they're not in the top six. They're probably in the bottom six. I'm probably going Cooley because he's tougher to play against. He's a bigger body. They're both going to provide some offense, but Evangelista as talented as he is, has shown in my eyes sometimes doesn't like to go into the dirty areas and he's not going to overpower someone physically. He's nasty skater. He's a, he's a fantastic setup guy. He can shoot the whole thing. I love his game. He's come a mile, but in this tournament, I think Will Cooley is better suited for that role than Luke Evangelista. Wouldn't you love to have Luke Evangelista on your penalty kill? I would like to have Luke Evangelista on any one of my teams when <laughs> well, it comes to like a except hockey candidate. Canada yeah. yeah. Well, there's yeah. It's a, like, and that's why, it, like when you get cut from a team like this and people are dissecting like we are right now, it is no slight against the player. Like the player is an unbelievable talent, but look at all the talent that they're pulling from. There's 60 major junior teams, plus the kids that went to the States. Like there's a lot of hockey players vying for this, what, 12 roster spots up front on Team Canada. So it's yeah. no slight against Luke Vangelista.
1: And and I will I will plead ignorance on all of the players at even the selection camp that did not come from the Ontario hockey league. Cause clearly I don't see the Q, clearly. I don't see the dub, et cetera. I'm just, I'm going to maintain that you first of all, will never regret having more offense. And if you take the best players, you can tell them what you need them to do because they're very good players. Hockey IQ comes into play here and they'll figure it out. But one of the other great things about this is we can have a passionate discussion and dissection of a hockey Canada selected team, because that's how much we are invested in this tournament. And it's one of my favorite things, God willing, it goes on because finally it's the, it's the two weeks of the year that junior hockey gets to do in this country.
0: Couldn't agree with you more. My favorite time. I not a big fan of the Christmas holidays. Love the world junior tournament. It's the only reason I show up to Christmas dinner. Absolutely. Give me boxing day hockey, baby. I'll be there. Um, And the best thing about this whole argument and discussion, as you you said, you called it a heated discussion or whatever. The best thing is we get to do it all again next year because I'm sure there'll be someone else cut from the team. Like there is every year. Yeah.
1: You know, well, you right? make me think now when you mentioned boxing day, our guest on the podcast this week, never would have made a team Canada team unless, unless they had a role for a boxer. You see what I did there? I did. I like that. I like that a lot. Is this our last podcast before the break? Oh, Good, good point. Yes, yeah. we should remind our, our very loyal listeners of this podcast of that very thing. Yes, we're going to take a couple of weeks off. You can enjoy the World Juniors. Uh, so we're going to be back with a Hopefully. podcast. Yeah, well, either way, we'll be back with something because, you know, we'll have to update what's going on in the league. But we should be back uh, the week after New Year's, right? January, yeah. I believe, 6th is the Friday. So you'll see this one and then they'll be uh, gone for a few weeks and we'll be back on January the 6th.
0: 7th is the Friday. So 7th we'll is the Friday. Yeah. There you go. January I had 7th. to look it up. You just went off your brain, which I don't know how you do that. Close, but no cigar. Is today. Um, yeah, regardless, it's we've been recording this for 20 minutes and we still haven't mentioned. If you want to follow us on Twitter at Farwell underscore OHL at underscore Chris Pope and uh, hit us up on YouTube, Instagram, the whole deal uh, at OHL stories. Let us know what you think of the podcast or if you have any guests that you'd like to see on, make sure to just reach out and let us know.
1: We should really be better at that part, eh? Yeah. Reminding people. You're what really thinking. good at it. You found that. Yeah, but here we you just mentioned, 20 minutes in. Yeah. Uh, the email address, can I give it? Do you check it? Yeah, please. Okay. at gmail.com. But like Pope, you said, yeah, reach out anytime through any of the channels. Uh, subscribe, follow, like, rate, whatever. Give us some feedback. We're more than happy to hear it.
0: And if I get one more email like Tyler sent me, I'm going to fight you. I'm just kidding. I just needed a segue. much like our guest fought 98 times in his Ontario hockey league career. Add to that after he goes to the pro ranks in the AHL, he fought 45 times in his first season, just to send a message that he wasn't going to turn any down Uh, in the OHL. He played 178 games split between Windsor and Guelph. Again, 178 games. He had 748 penalty minutes. Quick rain, man. Math, Farzee, that's just over two minutes per game. Wow, good job, Popey. Thanks. Almost like I didn't write it down. Uh, in, the, in the NHL, 336 games in the National League, 774 PIMS. So identical PIMS, but about 200 games difference. <laughs> because yeah. by the time you are drafted in the fourth round by New Jersey and you get to the league and you're taking on the likes of wade belak against brian mcgratton and you're going for two or three minutes at center ice people know you're not someone to mess with and that is why cam jansen was known simply as janny and why you talk to anybody who knows him initially in the first couple conversations the word psychopath is used like he used to describe himself in this podcast on ohl stories I'm
1: always fascinated by these stories, Cam. So I got to start right here. How does a kid from Missouri end up with the Windsor Spitfires in the Ontario Hockey League of Canada?
2: I have no idea. <laughs> 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 well, think about that for a second. Like, I'm from Eureka, Missouri. Honestly, my parents never played. No one in my family has ever played hockey. Nobody in a Jansen family, military, hardcore construction, tough, tough people, you know. No one's ever played hockey but they loved the blues, the blues in St. Louis. They were obsessed with hockey. They never played it. They didn't know anything about it, but they liked to watch Brett Hall. So my parents would take me to games. They'd take me to Cardinals games, by the way, which dominates in St. Louis, the St. Louis Cardinals gigantic. And I'd be like this, what am I doing? Oh, daddy. what? Oh, the arch. Cool. Blah, blah, blah. But then he took me to a blues game and he brought me down to the glass and he goes, look, and Holly with no bucket on, snapping pucks, hit the glass and hit me. Tony Twist with no bucket on, looking jacked, hit the glass. Kelly Chase hit the glass. They all did, and I'm like, Ugh! and then Chaser and Twister. Besides Holly, scored two goals that night. But I remember, and my memory's so messed up from fighting and all that. But I remember this vividly. Chaser and Twister beat the hell out of guys. And Twister goes in the penalty box, takes all his stuff off, like. Wah! And he flexes his muscles and the women in the crowd went crazy. And I'm like, as a child, like, oh, wow, I want to be that. Twister with his tattoo of Tony the Tiger. He's flexing for everybody. And I'm like, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. I want to be something like this. How can I do it? And that's how I got into hockey.
0: So is that where you got the ripping everything off when you get in the box and flexing well, the crowd? Are you kidding? <laughs> You're damn right. Why wouldn't <laughs> I do that?
2: Now, the OHL had to like uh, sign a thing for me not to do that anymore. I think the Guelph Storm had to like tell me I can't do that anymore. But that's twi- it, it, the twister did it. And I'm like, I want to be you. And so I did it and they told me not to. Who cares? But that's how I get. So I tell I tell hockey parents in St. Louis now hockey in St. Louis now is gigantic. I was the first one to ever do it. Now there's kids out the wazoo. There's kids that are retiring like Ben Bishop that have like 50 million bucks in their pocket after playing. Think about that. It's, it's going a long way. But when we first saw them, like that is the, it's the coolest thing in the world. You're so intimate. You're right there. You, they hit the glass for you. They wink, twist her and chase her, like walking, around, skating around, like I'm the bad boy. And you could just feel the emotion from the crowd. And even as a kid, I like, I'm like, that's what I want. And so I just started playing roller hockey and all that stuff. But that's how my parents got me into it, taking me to a blues game.
1: Okay. Since we're on the subject of hockey in St. Louis and how huge it is now, yeah. how much does that Stanley Cup mean?
2: Oh, the lower EB. Okay. Let me uh, give you a timeline, homeboy. So they first get in 67, right? Bobby Plager, all the bodies back in the day, they're playing Montreal expansion team. They get killed, but they're going three state, uh, three state uh, Stanley Cups. And the city was like, this is a cool sport. We love our baseball, football at the time, whatever, which always, you know, comes and goes in St. Louis. Don't get into that because they're very sensitive. But the, people were like, what is this sport? This is cool. Bobby Plager with the slick back hair. He did his thing. You lost in Montreal. You lost to Bobby Orr. It's all good. But it was staunch in the city and people got into it. Now, they went through the 70s and eh. then they went through the 80s, which was eh. Bernie Frederico was coming in. You had, you know, uh, 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 Sutter's, this, that, and the other, but you weren't there. You weren't grabbing, grabbing the kids yet, right? Bernie was good. He was, a hall, he's a Hall of Famer. He did great, but it didn't it didn't connect with this the city. And I'm, I'm being completely honest. They were about to sell that team to Saskatoon. Could you imagine that, by the way? You ask <laughs> Brent Hall about that. He pukes in his mouth. He's like, oh God, what would I do? So then- the golden jet came the Golden Brett came, he had his slick back hair. he was everywhere when I was a kid and i 'm going to say it again, we would go to mcdonald 's in St. Louis, and I would make my dad go around twice just to get his like little cup and then get his little action figure and then get this and then get that and get that and get that. He was everywhere he was a a god in this town more than any of the baseball players, more than anybody. He had the look he was scoring eighty six goals, and all of us kids that made it in like the early 2000s got into hockey because of Brett Hall.
0: I feel like there's like a million Brett Hall stories out there and everyone seems to have one. But as a kid who got to grow up watching him and idolizing a guy like Brett Hall, what was it like when you met him? Hey, let me tell you a funny story on that.
2: So uh, you know, my p- parents are blue collar, right? Very blue collar, blue collar badasses, like they they just are. But my dad, they'd always spoil us. I was spoiled as a kid. I had a good upbringing. I did. I had to figure it out and I had to be tough and I didn't have any money to fall on. None of that. My parents didn't have any connections with anybody with anything, but they were good to me, really good to me. And they were, my dad was a social guy. Like people love my dad. They, they loved him and my uncle and all that stuff. So there's this bar called the, um, oh God, the train wreck saloon where it's in Brentwood, Missouri and Brett Hall and all the guys would always be in there. And my dad and my uncle knew the owner of it. So when I was six years old, we had a little lake house at the Lake of the Ozarks, a little cabin that all of our family like had, had to throw money in. We had a little boat out there and stuff like that. It wasn't anything crazy, but it was quite lovely. And it was actually a pain in the ass. When all your family owns something together, you end up hating each other. That's not the point. Here's my story. We go down there. My dad my dad's t- talk to all the kids. We're like, we have a surprise for you. We're like, oh, what is it, dad? Is it a go-kart? Is it this? Is it whatever? They're like stop it we're going (laughs) down we're going to show you so my dad takes us in a boat goes to this little cove and finds this big boat and we're like wow look at that big boat and i'm like what is it dad is it a is it like a ski thing or something like what what?" all of a sudden we pull up and we see that blonde hair boy come out Brett hall and me and my cousins are like oh my god Brett hall was out with the owner of the train wreck saloon in a boat in the middle of a cove in uh, Lake of the Ozarks. We got to hang out with him. I remember sitting there and I'm writing him like he was on all these weird commercials where it's like with Boatman's Bank and he did this, that. And I'm like, draw him a picture. Like, I need to do something to this guy. And I'm like, da da da. And I remember giving it to him and he's like, eh, cool. And he throws it away or whatever. <laughs> but I hung out with him for four hours. We skied together. I talked to him as a child. It was the most unbelievable thing in the world. And look, all you parents out there, man, because that's who we're talking to. We're talking to parents that have kids and little things like that you take them the games you f- get you introduce them to somebody that they look up to that stuck in my head so much to where I wanted to be that so bad to where you just you go above and beyond you know your vision and as a kid like you want if you have kids and I don't let me, me wrong, but I just know you want your kid to have a vision and if you just take them places like that I know it costs money I know it's like this that and the other but it it sticks with them and that stuck with me and i just wanted to be a hockey player and it worked out sorry i'm oh. long-winded whatever it's great <laughs> that's, okay. that's what this we is, like we like That's it. right stories
1: oh, that's what it's all about good, how good, good. how did your parents feel about a young cam jansen becoming a little more like twister and chaser than the golden brat on the ice
2: well dude i didn't know hockey i didn't I didn't know. Okay, my, you think my dad's like, "Hey, when you get the puck on the wall, do this." Okay, like, I, <laughs> like, I, I just had to figure things out. Like, I, I'm I'm faster than guys. I'm stronger than guys. I'm more willing. I, I got a little bit of skill. Like, I could get off, get off me. I could take the puck to the net. I'd score a bunch of goals. But then I had that psycho in me, where I'd penalty kill in AAA. Where we go up to these tournaments in like, a, you know, you know, Toronto Marley tournament up in Guelph, up in Toronto, all that stuff. And no one cared about the junior amateur blues at a time. Although we had a couple of guys that made the NHL from our team, Joey Vitale, myself. I mean, it is what it is. But we go up there and we get killed. But I would score four goals. We'd lose eight to four. But I'd score four goals and I'd put guys down. I'd put them down. Coming around the net, I'd come and I'd stick them so hard. Bam! And these scouts are like, what? And I wore number 16, by the way, because my dad's like, yeah, better wear it, Holly because everybody's looking for 16. So wear it. And I would crush guys. And at that point, you could do what you want back in the day. And I'd sc- score goals, get a breakaway. And then agents were coming up to my dad, stuff like that. I'd get all this attention. And I just, I just knew when I was young, 12, 13, 14, I knew I had something. And I would, I would stick out in front of these big tournaments that we were invited to, knowing we we're going to get our asses kicked. But they were looking at the other team we're playing. But if you stick out, you stick out. You, oh, my dad would always say, there's people watching. Go bring it. Go bring the heat. And I did it. So that's how I got my you know, attention. And then, of course, Windsor drafted me and all that. Blah blah blah
0: Perfect segue. Because I think Windsor was the perfect team to draft you with that old barn because the fans were psycho and you're psycho. So it just worked out perfectly. What was it like when you dropped the gloves and beat the tar out of somebody in that rink? Let
2: me tell you a funny story, dude. I was so aloof to reality. I always wanted attention, man. Like I wanted, I wanted it to be different. Like you're walking around high school in St. Louis. There's good looking girls everywhere. And I'm like, my parents didn't have money. And I'm just like, I'm trying to be cool. And they, they just like, well, I'm like, and your other buddies that have money and stuff that like the girls would be there. I'm like, I got to do something. And my dad, I was hanging out with weird guys at the time. My dad's like, figure it out. And I'm like, hockey's the way to, be different. I know it sounds like very self-induced, but I, I was though. So like I that's like I wanted to be different than everybody else. And so I just I just got into it. And I I worked my butt off. I played juniors for uh, for the St. Louis thing in North American Hockey League. I fought like 40 times that year as like a 15, 16-year-old. I was playing the game, I didn't learn much with the game, but Windsor drafted me. I remember being up there with my dad and be like, where are we? What's the I remember telling my buddies? I got drafted to the OHL. They're like, oh, is that the NHL? I'm like, no, dude. I'm like, (laughs) 15 years old, dude. No, no, it's the OHL. But they all went up there and watched me play. And I put a show on for them. But I remember when Windsor drafted me, and we're like, okay, wow, these jerseys are cool. I remember saying that to Mike Kelly. Like, I like these jerseys. He's like, okay, we got work to do with you, kid. Like, I just had no idea, dude. My dad's a waterproofer. My mom's working at, like, Clayton Prison in St. Louis, they have no idea about anything. Now I'm moving to Canada at 16, 17 years old, and I gotta go be a heavyweight. At 5'11", I gotta be a heavyweight in a different country, living with an 85 year old couple. How am I gonna do that? You just do it.
0: <laughs> you just do it. just do it, homeboy.
1: Was there a player that you remember, Jannie, in the early days that you kind of had to step up against to become that heavyweight? Because I remember by the time you got to Guelph, you you were that guy. Early
2: on, who did you have to
1: unseat? Whose title did you have to take?
2: Well, you just got to be a bad boy every night. It's not like I got to fight that one guy that one time. No, it's like, I'm going to come in. Dude, I remember being so intimate with the fans. I never had that kind of attention. I craved attention. I wanted to have attention. And I go into that barn in Windsor, that badass barn, mean, rugged, hardcore, old school, historic. And I remember going in there and these fans would chant my name and I would get so jacked up and I would do anything. Like I'd run guys over and then score and then go like this to the crowd, like, Wah! and then go in the penalty box, take everything off and flex everybody like a, like a sideshow. Like I just, I craved it. I craved it. So it wasn't like, I need to go fight that guy. No, no, I just did it because I wanted it every night. So whoever it was that night, I'm like, I'll go, I'll fight anybody anytime, anywhere. I got 6,000 people chanting my name. I got, I'm going to high school here. Girls are all over you. And I'm like, you're in the paper. I'm like, I just, I want to put it all together. So it just gave you motivation. My mom and dad were a thousand, 2000 miles away. They're trying to get a hold of me. There's no cell phones at a time. I'm living with an 85 year old couple that like watched me sleep at night. I love them, but they got, you know, it's it just, it's just, I'm not, my parents are lenient and I'm with like a strict, I mean, Oh, God, the things that you got to just kind of go through. Now, it's not military. But on the other hand, it's different. And I just had to suck it up every night. But I invited the fan base. And and that got me going. And, man, oh, man, I just I
0: went on the ice. And I wanted to put a show on every night. You did put a show on most nights in the OHL. <laughs> um, but you had a couple guys on your team that also were – weren't scared to put a show on like a guy like steve Ott or josh Grattan. what was oh, it yeah. like on on that on those teams where you're looking around the room and you're like we're just going to go out there and beat the tar off this team let me say something real quick um when you come from nothing really not nothing like
2: my parents are awesome to me right so i'm not like I'm, i came from like a hardcore north county like the, some football players do where they got to get out of. but it was more like you know, you're, you're, still not much, especially in the hockey world. So when I went into Windsor and I'm living as a 17 year old with an 85 year old couple who I have to kind of be like, you know, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of crazy. My parents are lenient and I got to like, be like, eh. And it's just an adjustment one way or the other, but next door, our, one of our assistant coaches was billeting Stevie Ock. And he just got drafted what, what was it was like 20th overall. And at that time he signed for a million bucks. And I remember looking over there through the glass at my teammate in the next right across the street. And he bought a brand new Cadillac Escalade. He had a beautiful girlfriend that owned a her parents owned a house that they owned a tool and die company that had bowling alleys in there. And I'm looking at this is another thing that I'm saying. And I look at him like, I want to be you. You have money. You have fame. You have every, how did you get, I'm 17. And this guy is oh, only a couple years older than me. He has a million dollars in his pocket, driving the most fancy, Steve, uh, Jason Spezza, driving the most fancy car, million dollars in his pocket before he even, he even made the NHL. And you're just watching, you're like, how can I not fight anybody? I'll do anything to get there. <laughs> I know, like you look at other guys, they're just like, do, 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 do. Like, don't you see that? Don't you want to be the best? Look at Stevie out right now, dude. He's showing He's he's a co- the coolest guy in the world, man. I looked up to him so much, but you see these guys really make it. And all my buddies didn't have any money. Like I just, I just wanted to be that man. And Hey, look, you're playing in the OHO, You see guys that make money, real money, real money, Not your mommy and daddy's money, your money that you made. And it's like, that is the most mo- motivational thing you possibly imagine. We we hear often, Cam, that it gets tough,
1: or it can be tough, for guys that play the kind of role you played in the game, from, from junior right on through pro. Did it get tough for you? Were there nights where you're just like, I don't know if I can do this?
2: Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> dude, I was addicted to painkillers, too. Hardcore through some bad times. And I don't want to get too much into it, but I was, meaning – Meaning imagine having the flu times that by a million and add depression on that and then go fight Brian McGratton for three minutes. Like I had to do that and then be fake in the locker room. Cause you're cam, you're happy. You're happy cam, but I got addicted, man. But it's only, it's all my fault. Everything I've done. It's all self-induced. I don't blame the league. I don't blame anybody. It's my fault. But I went through hell and back even leading up to times, man, leading up and all my buddies are texting me in St. Louis. Oh, your family's there. I don't want to get knocked out in front of my mom. She's seen enough. I've aged her already. Like I don't want to get knocked out. Like now I'm like, I'm like, I'm like cold and like withdrawing. Like I went through it, dude. I lived, I lived the party life to an extreme, but the bad times self-induced wise was so bad to where I had to get, I had to get help here and there. And it just was, it was tough, man. But again, that was all on me, but man, oh man. Like I look back on everything I've learned so, so much, but to your question, was there nights where I'm like, I got to fight this. God, yes. Every night it was stressful until I went on the ice and I go, I don't give a damn. Let's go. I don't care if I felt crappy that day. I don't care if I'm withdrawing off painkillers. I didn't care. Leading up to it, the, the pregame skate, the nap, I was like, oh, God, help me, help me, Daddy, help me. And then one time I went on the ice, I go, F everything. Let's go. Be the man. My dad, I would always call my dad before I went on the ice. And he'd be like, you're the toughest. He was such a good motivator. He didn't know anything about hockey. He should be in the Hall of Fame here in St. Louis like I am. I'm at Hall of Fame. He should be, but he doesn't want to. But the way he was a hockey dad was so damn good. And he knew how to motivate me, even when I was down and out. And I still did it. So to answer your question, all the time was I
0: hardcore man. When it comes, oh god, how how long is this? Because
2: I got you know we got all the
0: time in the world for you, Jenny. Especially guys who like to tell stories. Like I that. don't want to scare
2: people because everything's good. Everything was good. I live in a great house now. My wife's awesome. I got animals everywhere. We're all good. But I went through hell on back. But I don't blame anybody but myself. Just so you guys know, is that cool?
0: That's cool. All right. uh, to a, to a happier moment in the OHL when you get yeah. that trade to Guelph. How did you find out? oh god here's an arse. you're t- now I'm,
2: you're dragging me down crazy story time buddy. Right. i got a couple more for you just hold uh, on let me say it i'll say it all right because you guys are guelph boy i i don't usually do podcasts that much anymore just so you know but you guys are you and i'm like hell yeah i owe it to you because you guys are all guelph was so good to me man i just they were so damn good to me so here's how that trade went down <laughs> so i was a big dog in windsor man like the went. Like i was good with the fans like if you trade me away like it's kind of a big deal there at the time now i'm not Connor mcdavid or anything but as far as what i what i did for the fans and stuff like they they loved me and they so my buddies were in town and we party that night so hard and i had no idea i was getting traded and my buddies are in town we're going out and i'm getting treated like gold you know you're 19 18 19 you're walking in back of clubs while all my other buddies are at like high school parties like no i'm cool where I'm going in the back of clubs with like, you know, <laughs> whatever. I don't need to get too nights. But yeah, and so we all party that night all night long. Hardcore party. And look, if y'all know in Windsor, if you want to party, you can find whatever you want. It's there. And if you people know who you are, they're gonna give you whatever you want. It's a long night, if you catch my drift. I wake up that morning, horrid. Horrid. Down in the, like you, you're like, uh, and I got I'm like, a bunch of text messages or or calls or something at the time. I remember I had to go back to my billet house. I walk back, I go drive back to my billet house with all my buddies and there's cars in the driveway. And it's my coach and a bunch of the players. And I'm with my buddies and we're so like, oh God, help me. Oh Lord, I'm going to hell. Which we probably are. But we go into my billet house and they're all crying. I go, I go, I'm getting arrested what did we do last night? I go, what did we do? I'm kid my. I, I go, Oh, did I wait? What did we do? And they're crying. I go, what happened? And then the coach comes up, to, comes up to me and he goes, uh, Cam, we love you, but we traded you to Guelph. And I go, Oh, thank God. And then they start crying again. And I'm like, Oh no, I didn't mean it like that. And it just was the most bizarre goddamn thing. And so we partied that night, by the way, then I go to Guelph. And, you know, the coaches come in my porch, my, my, I, I signed. So I had like a big, like a, like a a, a big suburban and we we're partying in that thing all night. And my, I remember going to Guelph after like, you know, my billets are crying and stuff like that, which is like the best thing for me. But I go to Guelph and the coaches are like, Hey, Cam, we're gonna go out to lunch. I'm like, okay. They're like, but we're going to come in your car. Can you drive? I go, Oh God, they get in my truck, which my buddies had all weekend. And they're like, Interesting. This is interesting. <laughs> I'm like, uh my buddy's had my car. I'm like, oh, God, who knows what's in it? Anyway, it is what you could edit that out. It doesn't matter. The point is, it was a crazy time. It worked out. The city was pissed, but they got like a first round pick and all that stuff. And it just needed to happen. And Mike Kelly, I'm going to give you a little shout out. I love you, Mike Kelly. I love him. He was so sweet to me. And I was crazy. And he accepted that and he believed in me. And I love him. He drafted me, Mike Kelly. But he traded me, and I, I needed that. And I went on to a powerhouse team, and I learned how to play in the playoffs. And that helped me make the
0: NHL at 20, 21 years old. If I can follow up real quick. Yeah. Jenny, you don't know this, but I was uh, at the Storm training camp that season, was playing junior B in Guelph that year you got traded. Well, my yeah. best friend, My best friend to this day – uh, didn't play for the Guelph Storm after you got there. You stole his number, actually. I still bug him about it to this day. 14. 14, yep. Oh, but I, I got a couple of buddies that are still on that team, and they told the story of the first day you walked into that room, and you walk in and you look like you're carrying two suitcases full of money, shoulders out, yep. big dog is in town, boys. Was, was it was something? <laughs> did you want to walk into that room and let everyone know, well, like, yes, my, my room now, yeah?
2: No, not mine. no, 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 no. no. Not my room now. More like, I'm your buddy. Yeah. we're all buddies. Yeah. Not like, I own it. No. Ryan Callahan was there. Martin St. Pierre. All the – Nico – all those guys. No, no, no. I was like, I'm here for you. I played you guys two months ago, and I (laughs) crushed dudes. And I crushed guys. And I remember, like, going by their bench, like, I own all y'all. Now I'm like, no. I'm here, dudes. Let's win this thing. Let's all win. It's not like, I'm the – no, you know, nah, I can't do that. So does that make sense though? Like it not does. Like, yeah. But I am cocky as shit. And I walked in with two suitcases, like I'm Jack, but I want them to know that I mean business. I heard you were very intense in the room. Yeah. I needed to figure out my, I didn't, I'd never been traded before. I was still a kid. I didn't know how to react. And these guys were so professional. They were like just doing things before practice. Like Ryan Callahan would have a cup out there in the middle of the thing. And everybody just play a little, a thing where we're getting dressed. And we just play a little thing. And I'm like, that's interesting. And everybody played country music and like, it was organized and the practices were hardcore and it was just different. And I'm like, this is a, this is a championship team. These guys are big boys. They're all drafted too. I was like the only one that signed in Windsor. I was like, you know, look, when you're playing in juniors and you sign, you're drafted, you you're just forced and you're popular, you're forced to be the guy. Right. And I just needed to get with guys on, you know, that were better than me and not that they weren't in Windsor, but like just more status wise. And you go there and you're like, Oh, and you're humbled. And you're like, no, Cam, okay, just chill. Let's just, you don't have to be crazy. Just do your thing and adjust. And then we went out there and kicked ass. We did. That was an unbelievable team and okay. I was friends with everybody and we had such a good time. Now, we could have done better in the Memorial Cup, but we beat London. We won a championship for the city. We partied hard that night. Trappers. Oh, dude. Don't even we, don't even give me a My <laughs> memory's can, not that good, but I know I had a good time that night. <laughs> we can definitely talk about that Memorial Cup. But on the way
1: there, and you've, you've touched on it, Like you knew when you got traded to Guelph, you were traded to a championship team. But there was no. adversity even in the playoffs. Owen Sound took you to seven games no. in the first
2: round. 100% I remember too it's so funny you're 100% right on that but walking in that locker room I knew it was different so just all you guys know family uh, parents listening like every locker room is different and you know the, what the difference is And I walked in that locker room you had old school guys that played five years they're drafted they signed they're gonna play in the NHL they're gonna do this and I just knew it and that wasn't the case in Windsor but you're right and I remember one time against Owen Sound and look, when you're that age, like you get a little cocky, like you get a lot of attention, and it's juniors and you're making money and no one else is, or maybe a couple other guys. So you just get like complacent, right? And I remember uh Sean Camp, our coach, who was awesome, by the way. Unbelievable coach. He was so perfect for what we had. And I remember him grabbing me one time, because we went to game seven with that Owen Sound, and he goes, and I was chirping guys being just a, an ass. And he sits me down and he goes. You ain't playing good enough to be that way. And I go, oh, I go, oh, I go, you're right. Settle down, Cam. Get back to normal. Get back down. You ain't that cool. Girl, you're still playing third. Like, you ain't that cool. Like, get back to normal. And that switch hit me. I'm like, oh. I'm like okay, okay, okay. Let's go, guys. Let's do this. And then we went out there and just figured out a way to win. My line scored a big goal sometime of whatever. We found a way to not get pen- – I was getting penalties and shit. I was doing stupid things like, trying to be a tough guy. No, play the damn game. Lou Amarillo was watching me. All the devils were watching me. They drafted me. I had to do something. And I remember Sean Camp, he put me in my place in front of everyone. And I was like, the cool guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, you're not. And he put me in my place, and I figured it out. So all you coaches, all you dads, sometimes you, you just – you got to be humbled. Now, don't rip guys left and right. Like, there's a balance to it. But, man, he put
0: me in my place. And I'm like, oh, okay. You catch my drift on that? For sure. You yeah. mentioned that Owen Sound rivalry. It seemed like, as to me, watching that series and watching that regular season, it seemed like every time you played Owen Sound, you fought Adam Smythe.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's a big tough kid, dude. He's a big farm boy. Of course I'm going to fight him every time. Am I going to say no? <laughs> I caught him one time with the left, and I buckled him pretty good. But we went toe-to-toe. I fought Brandon Pross tons, like grammar just everybody, fought everybody for like 40 times a year. But when I learned when I played for Guelph is to play that third line with Jacob Corey's Jacob and then uh Spursy. Kyle uh, Spursy. Spursy. Oh, sweetheart. Oh Lord. What a sweetheart of a human being. Another love. tough guy. Oh, love him. And we just c- crushed guys, kept the puck alive. I didn't take super penalties. I figured it out. And after that, year that we won lou lamarillo knew that i was a step more like i'm a fourth line plug he knows what i'm gonna do with what if he drafts me but when i played that playoff series getting good minutes contributing hitting consistently staying out of the box winning games in high pressure situations that helped my career so much man and look i'm not i'm not you know I'm not, uh, you know, Ricky Nash. I, I know that. But in the OHL, you get cocky because you get popular real quick if you're a tough guy. You just do. You, you think that you're better than what you are, and sometimes you need to get put down a little bit.
1: You talk about fighting Prusty. That, that Guelph-London rivalry oh. was incredible, right? And that's who you meet in the West Final that year. And you're up 3-1, and they come back and force a seventh game. you got to win in their barn. Do you remember going into that seventh game and, and the feeling like did, did, how confident or how how much confidence were you lacking?
2: Now, listen, my memory is not that good. Okay. There's <laughs> a lot of shit that went down. Like, let's be honest here. But I think I did score a big time goal in that game, but I couldn't take penalties, man. Like, I just remember, like, I can't take penalties. Like, I, sometimes when you're a little wild, like, you think that it's about you and it's just not. It's just not. So I, I, I just remember in my back of my head, like, just like, hit guys clean. Do what you have to do. Get that damn puck out of the zone. Don't. It's not about you. It's not. A, it's not a sideshow. You don't have to fight anybody. Go win the damn game. Everybody's intimidated of you. You got the puck all the time. You're fast. Get it in deep. Use your line mates. And like, I know that's corny, but I remember like thinking that, and I scored a goal. I think I scored a goal in that game. You guys, I don't, I don't. but there was something that we did that I didn't. I didn't take stupid penalties, and we won. And they had a powerhouse, and it just makes you a better player when you're in situations like that, when the TV's on you, the cameras are on you, man, you're like, you're playing against London, dude. Like you're playing against the big boys. Like everybody, all the attention's on you. Like don't do stupid things. Go play the game. Learn it. Lose. Well, I always thought Lou is watching you. There's somebody want, like, remember that. It's not about you. It's not about you. I don't care how popular you are. just take care of your teammates. And we did that.
0: We'll get to Lou in a minute, I'm sure, because I'm sure there's some good Lou stories. But I got to ask. I reached out to a couple guys who were on that storm team, trying to get some dirt on you. <laughs> and uh, I don't, I didn't have enough room in the phone. Uh, but one, one of the guys, he wasn't sure if you were there. But were you in the casino in Colono when Dave Barr came in? Man, dude, and during the Memorial Cup. Okay, I'll tell a story. I love
2: Barzy. He was uh, my coach and with the. Sister Coach of the Devils. Speaking of cocky, like God, I was just so out of my mind. Oh God. No wonder I thank God the devils drafted me. So I was this humble. This is humble. Lou may be humble. And I wasn't even a big dog. Like, but you don't, you're used to not being anything. You go home and your buddies are just like still living with their parents and stuff. And like, I'm about to buy a house because I got a couple hundred grand. Like, you're cocky, man. Like you just, and you're beating guys up and girls are on, like, it's like, I'm This in a different world, but you have to settle that down. You just have to, cause they're all going to gain on you. You know, like everybody's going to gain on you. You got there before everybody else did. My buddies all make a lot more money than I do now. Although I do, we do all good, but it's like, you just, you were there before they were, and you just get this weird sense about you. But I remember, um, <laughs> my parents were in, uh, in the Kelowna and we like rented like a Denali you know I, I had a little bit of money at the time so I was I took care of it you know and we were cruising around where it's like hanging out like it was like a it was like a cool thing to do like you're there and the weird thing about the Memorial Cup is like you have to wait so long you celebrate and then you wait and you're like what are we doing again oh we gotta do it again right it's just like the hardest trophy ever to win but I remember uh we lose and we were playing pretty good. We lost in overtime a couple of times, a couple of posts from Callahan, and stuff like that. But I remember going on the bus when we lost. And I um I packed a cooler because I knew I was gone, dude. Like that's another thing, by the way. When you play juniors, you signed, you drafted, like you're you're playing the American League next year. Plus you're beating guys up. Like you're gone. So you don't care. So I packed a cooler and I brought on the bus. And Dave Barr, who's the coolest, smartest guy ever, I love him. Grabbed the cooler and we had a like FU match getting on the bus as a 19 year old trying to get beer. And I just remember that my parents were in the parking lot in Kelowna watching, and my dad's like, What are you doing? It was (laughs) so embarrassing. But what you're talking about with the bar, I don't remember, but.
0: I was probably like the uh, head guy trying to do weird things. Yeah, I heard there was a group in the casino and Barzy came in and wasn't too happy that the group was uh, in a we, casino during the
2: Memorial. But we won. <laughs> well, like, it's like the way we won, it was like, we, we sweep Mississauga. We're like the King decks. And we're like, we sit for a while. And I know everybody else does, but it's like, we're in Kelowna. And we're like, we're in like party mode. It's just very weird. It's a hard mindset to get back into. Mm-hmm. Like it really is. I'm ready to go home and, hang out with my like friends that are go to school and they're all like reading about you up there and stuff. And are like, I want to like go show off to them. And you're like, you're just like, Oh, we have another tournament. Well, didn't we just win? It's just, I'm from Missouri. So I don't, I'm not into the, you know, hockey night in Canada every night. Like you just know the Memo- I just wasn't into it. So we just, we, we hung out, we did our thing, but we, we could have won that. I mean, Kelowna won, but we, we, we missed some posts and stuff like that, but we, we hit it pretty hard, and that was somewhat of our demise. You mentioned Barzi. Me. <laughs> it was Janny's fault. Remember that. 04. It's my fault. Ask my wife. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you mentioned Barzi as that assistant coach in New Jersey. He was an assistant to Pete DeBoer, who would have been an opposing head coach for you in the OHL. What was it like having him for a head coach?
2: Kate, can you get the dogs in line? Thank you. I love it. Dude, uh, well, Pete DeBoer is just you know you coaching Kitchener, great guy. He's hard on you, man. Like you just gotta be disciplined. Look, it's not even like Pete. It's more Lou. If you play for Lou, thank you, baby girl. If you play for Lou, it's all about Lou. So if I'm if Pete's mad at me, Lou's mad at me, right? But if Lou's happy with me, Pete's happy with me. Like you know, like I just I just have to go do my damn thing. And sometimes Pete, I walk by the and I love Pete. He's a cool cat, man. I got to get him on the podcast too, by the way. But sometimes I walk past him and he wouldn't say a word to me. I'm like, oh God, you know how that feels, right? If you walk <laughs> by your door and you're like, hi. And you're like, oh God. And Lou would do the same. I would think mental torture. What, they didn't mean to do it, but I didn't play good the night before. It's just like, you just got to be consistent. All you parents out there, man. Look, and let me get an example real quick. This Nathan Walker kid's coming up to St. Louis right now. St. Louis is banged up big time. So they got this Aussie kid who's actually from uh, Wales, which is like the most beautiful place in the world, castle-wise and all that. Moves to Australia. He's an Aussie, badass kid. But he comes up and he scores a bunch of goals in a couple of days, right? A couple goals, a couple days. And everybody's like, ah, oh God, he's the best. I'm like, just wait. Because you have to be consistent. All you parents out there, it's not what your kid does every two nights. He scores three goals. It's what they do every damn night that mentality where you have to smack yourself in the face and be like, get up, get up, get up. Let's go, get up, get going. Not like, man, it's good. I got to use my skill. No, get up, get up, smack yourself in the face. Get up. That's what you got. If you want to play a long time, you have to do it consistently. This Nathan Walker, he might do it. I love him. Great guy, but you have to do it every damn day. And that's the hardest damn thing in the world. You have to look at yourself in the mirror in Buffalo in Winnipeg, in wherever, in, in, in Binghamton, in American League, and look in the mirror before you go on the ice and smack yourself in the face like, get up, get up. People are watching. You have to be consistent every damn night. That's how you succeed. I don't know what the
0: question was. That's my ending to it. I love it. Does
2: that make sense? It, it, Am it I does. Wrong?
0: Absolutely. No, right. it makes complete sense. You talked about Lou. He called you after he drafted you. What did he say?
2: Okay. I mean, I don't remember. But look. You want we talk about Lou, I, you know how much I love my mommy and daddy, man. And you could chirp me all you want. I live next to them. I love them so much. I drive by their I live in a nice, fancy-ass house. Oh, my God. I go to my parents' house every damn day. They listen to me every single day on the radio, on my podcast, on everything. They, Their whole life revolves around me. I love them more than anything in the world. But Lou Lamarolo is my second father. I've never had anybody I was so intimidated of. When I was 16 years old, 15 years old, my dad was the badass ass dude, handsome, cool. Everybody loved my dad. The girls I dated loved my dad, which is kind of weird, but it is what it is. He's not weird, but they it's just, my dad was cool as shit. And I, I didn't, I was at a point where I was making money. I didn't have anybody to calm me down. You know, you get cocky. You get cocky, man. Everybody wants to be a party. Like you get cocky, you beat guys up. You, you get, Lou settled me down. I was so intimidated of that man. In a good way. He helped me so much. He brought me in the, in the room in front of the guys and goes, I'm sending you home. I'm like, okay. Oh I don't I don't I don't have anything. What'd you do last night? Um I um well I what'd you do last night? Um, um I was horrified. And then he pumped me up so much to where I'm like, I'm going to go bleed for you. I'll do anything for you. He helped me out. He was my first boss. He was so damn good. He'd love to get guys that were from Nova Scotia, from Eureka, Missouri, from this, that maybe their parents didn't have money. Their parents maybe drink too much. They have a little thing and he'd take them. Cowan White to all these guys, man. my, my love them. And he'd take them and he'd, he'd help them. And if you mess up a little bit, he gets you. And you're like, oh, God. But then next day, you're like, no, can't do that anymore. I can't do that anymore. I'm the man. I got to be, I got, I'm not leaving here. I'm not going home. What do I got? Am I going to go to NASA? Am I going to be what? What am I going to do? Asphalt seal? I'm not doing that. So I had to figure it out. Lou was so damn good to me, but he scared me like you can't believe. And if I see him now, I own all my own stuff. I make good money, decent money. Not good. Don't, don't. I'm not, but I do well. I live in a nice, lovely, my wife's good. All Everything's good. But if I saw Lou Lamorello, I'd shave. I'd look at him like this. Still not in the state, And he doesn't hire me for anything. That guy meant so much to me. I can't even explain it to you, just so you know. So if anybody chirps him, <laughs> you gotta let me know. <laughs> they they messed up. And I'm not even gonna cuss. They messed up. I know how he thinks. He will help you, dude. Love so, so you know. What about, what about Larry Robinson, this kid from oh. Missouri that idolized
1: Brett Hull? What does it mean when Larry Robinson's your first head coach in the National Hockey League? Oh God, was
2: he this close. Cool? Oh, my God, Larry, I love you so much. Look, I don't love everybody. I know I'm like lovey-dovey tonight, but I don't love everybody. But Larry's just so cool, man. Like, God, you could talk to him. You could talk to him. You could make like, Larry, what, do I, what am I doing? And he'd, talk, he'd be like, dude, dude, just do this. Put the stick there. Camera. Just do this. Open your hips up. And when you're on the wall, when dad soup tries to open your hips up, like whatever. He has so much knowledge. He's so easy to deal with. He's so fun. He's always happy. But when he's pissed, if he's, if Larry's mad at you, you're doing something wrong. Now, if Lou's mad at you, your shaving could be wrong, right? Doesn't that make sense? <laughs> like there's like a difference. If Larry's pissed at you, you really did something. Like you're a baby on the bench or you're not, you're flamingo and on the point or some. Crap like that, Larry is so awesome. I love that man. He's so cool. Dude, he just does this thing. Watch his highlights on YouTube, all you guys. Just watch him. He's just and I had him on the podcast. He's just so down to earth and cool. His wife's cool. Everybody. He was just. He was really good to me, man. He was really good to everybody. Now, sometimes you're too good and too happy, and you can't. That's not good for a head coach. And maybe that was. But I don't think he he wants to be a dick to people. You know. So that's why he's just like a – people – look, Larry can do what he wants. There's teams right now that are like, here, I'll pay you a million bucks. Just hang out with
0: the guys. That's when you know you're a pimp, just so you know. That, that team, you walk into that room, there's Gianta, Gomez, Langhambruner, Rafalski, Eliash, Parise, McGillney, and a guy named oh, Brodeur. Dude. Oh, Lord. What was it like every day? Listen, dude, I'm such an idiot
2: but I'm smart in ways when I was a kid and I was loud in the locker room and trying to be funny. And the guys would just bash me so bad because they liked me. Didn't talk to me. It means they don't like you, but they, they liked me. And I would force my way to hang out with everybody. I didn't want to hang out with Zach Parisi. I love Zach, but at the time he didn't know anybody. He's just a kid, Travis Ajak, great guy. Now call whatever, whatever you call him. He's going devil's hall thing. But like they didn't know anybody, they didn't know the city, they didn't know anything. So I'm f- I was like, hi Marty, I'm coming out with you tonight. Hi Richard Maffichuk, hi Colin White, hi, uh, uh, I mean, oh John Madden, Jay Pandolfo, Scotty Gama. I'm hanging out with you, and you're gonna like it. And they're like, okay Cam, come on. And I'd force myself to hang out with the guys. Now I know what they're talking about. Now I get the game because if you hang out with the, young- I tell these young guys, I go hang out with the older guys. Because they hang out with the young guys. They don't know a damn thing about anything. They don't even know where they're going. They're getting ripped off at the sushi place. I'm hanging out with the older guys. I go, take me with you. And I'd be funny with them. And they take care of me. And they teach me stuff. You just listen and you learn from these old school veterans. They'd pay for your beer. They'd pay for your sushi. That's not it. But it's more the knowledge part. Where We'd all sit around and you just hear what they say about the coach. You heard to say about the practice. You heard to say about the power play. You heard to say about everything, and you just absorb it like a goddamn sponge. And I just never want to hang out with anybody else but them. And that's what you do. And they took care of me, man. And I was annoying. And they made me cry a couple times too. By the way, <laughs> you know, can we, was, we hear those? Stories? And I was a tough guy, and they made me cry.
0: Yeah, well, this podcast shows you're a softy at
2: heart, though, Jenny. I am, dude. Don't you mess with my puppies and my, uh, you know, my little kitty cat. Where's she at, by the way, (laughs) should be in here. I think Kate locked them out. So they wouldn't bug me.
1: When you mentioned old school, that just brought me back to this. Look, you you said earlier, you you could have 40, 45 fights a season. That's a different, it's 20 years ago, but it's a different game today. We talk about this a lot. Tell me about the game today from your perspective compared to when you played
2: it. Well, I don't. I love it. I watch it every damn night. I, I, I do. And I dissect it. I have a three hour radio show. I got to do, I got podcasts. I got to know my stuff and whether I like it or not, you still got to know it. Like you still got to know it. And I still love the game. I love the skill part. Like I wish I could do the things that Zgris is doing things like that. Now, John Tortorello, when he says a couple things, like now, when he chirps Connor McDavid, there might be some truth to that. Look, all these coaches are nerds. I'll say, no, no, no. Listen to me. All these coaches don't have jobs or they do have jobs they're all hockey nerds to a point where they are so psychotic they all call each other they talk so when John Tortorella although he's a crazy guy which we like I I don't mind him I have a bunch of guys on that that that, that, they like him when he chirps Connor McDavid and all the writers like "Eh, eh," well there's a little truth to it you do need to change your game in a little way. Like, there's got to be a little bit. Now, when he said to Trevor saying, don't do that kind of stuff, I'm like, yeah, whatever. No, you want guys to be. The point is with Trevor thing is like, what the hell are you doing, Buffalo, with your defense? Like, take them out. Like, get away. You can still hit guys. So my point is, like, I don't mind, you know, me versus Brian McGratt and Tao to Tao. Like, that ain't happening no more, dude. But there's some badass defensemen that will rock you. And you still got to stick up for yourself. And it's all skill guys fighting skill guys. And that emotion's still there. And that respect value is still there. And if you want to kill a guy, I shouldn't say kill. You want to hit a guy hard, in the chest, Jacob Truba style, you can. So you can get cute and fancy all you want. You want to toe drag dudes like, look at me, I'm toe drag. Jacob Truba will stick you, boy. And he'll put you down. And I don't don't mind that. I don't want guys elbowing guys. You elbow a guy, you're getting 10 games. I don't care about the fight. Some of these guys like Brayden, I'll give you an example. Brayden Shin fights guys off the draw because they hit a guy earlier. I love Brayden Shin so much, but he's not a good fighter. I don't want him fighting. I want somebody else doing it. But the respect value is still there. I love the game. I dissect it like I always have. And it's not monsters squaring off. But you know how, you know what I think of that? We're the last dinosaurs. So in a selfish way, we get so much more attention because we've done it No one's going toe-to-toe for two minutes like I did anymore. Like, no one's doing that. So we're the last ones, and it's all on YouTube, and we can monetize it and stuff like that. But I still love the game now because the hits are still going on.
0: You mentioned McGratton, and the fights between you two are legendary um, around hockey circles. But there was a guy who, rest his soul, that you fought after the the Toronto incident, Wade Belak. When you turned around and it was Belak coming towards you. What was it like fighting a guy like Wade Belak, who could certainly hold his own? And you're 22 years old at the time. You're just a kid.
2: Well, I messed up, dude. And I love you, Wade. And, you know, like he's just, God, if you make anybody that knows him, they love him so much. And I I knew him because I fought him a billion times, but I didn't know him, know him. But, you know, like anytime you talk to somebody like Wade was such a cool cat, like he just, everybody loved him. And God, you know, rest in peace, homeboy. I love you, man. But I messed up. I, um, I was a kid and I rocked Cabriolet so hard one time. Oh God, I hit him so hard. And you know, you're getting attention and stuff. And all of a sudden now I get a negative attention for the first time. I'm 22 years old. I rock Cabriolet and knock him out. No one fights me. And Claude Julian sits me the rest of the game, which he should Sits me the rest of the game. I can't go out there. And Tucker's trying to fight me on the bench. He was sitting out and I I love Tucks. We had him on the pod. All good. But like, I was just like, uh, what do I do? What do I do? So two weeks go by and that whole city in my, Toronto, they hate me. I've never had anybody hate me in my life. Maybe besides a couple of girls that I was kind of made weird to in, in high school. I don't know. And I was like, how do I fix it? But they hate, they wanted to kill me and they wanted me to dead. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And they knew the big boy was going to kill me. Like they're going to going to get him. And I, I just was like, what do I do? So. It was good for my career, man, in a weird way. Now, you never want to hurt a superstar like Cabriolet. God, he's just a great guy. But as far as, like, figuring it out, you messed up. You messed up, Cam. You hit a guy late, you effed up, and you got three games. Now you got to pay the piper. And my dad's like, you got to do it. You got to pay him. I go, Dad, they want me. And Dad, what am I doing? They, you got to do it. You got you to pay the You got to do it. You hit him hard. You got to do it. I'm like, okay. Two weeks go by, and here's the funny part. We're in Toronto. Crazy state. They, they hate me so much. And the guys on the devils made me go out by myself and warmups and skate around. Like I'm a rookie. And they booed me for like two minutes. And it's like, now that I'm a rookie, but they just knew that I could handle it. And I went out there and I did it and I'm like, ah, like let's go. And, and then finally that game comes and, I remember the first shift I go out and I rock a guy because be B- like one out there and I come back to bench and then I go out there and I'm like, where did he go? You want to do it? Let's do it. We screw off. I'm like, am like, let's go. I'm like, Get tough, Cam. Get tough. Let's go. It's going to be a long one. Get your grip. Get your grip. Get your grip. Let's go. Get your grip. He's big. Get grip. And I grab him and we just go, go, go. And I just like, don't fall. Don't get knocked out. Just go. Bam, 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 bam. And I remember at the end, I was on top, and I hit him. And I look at my bench. And I go, Rar! and then I go in the totally box, and I take everything off. Like and I dunk my hair, like, Rar! and it's all over the place. And I'm like, I did it, I did it. I fought the monster. I did it. You knock a guy out, you pay the piper. You did it, and then then you blow up, and it's everywhere. And then you go out there. And now you're the man. Now you know you hit a guy. You could take care of guys. Like you get your confidence up. Don't don't crush superstars like don't do the stupid things but if you know you could take care of business and that amplified my my mentality sorry i'm rambling but it is is.
1: no not at all what did that what about the rest of the team (laughs) how does how does like your teammates now know right that you're you understand that you had to answer for it and and
2: you did against the monster well you gotta think like they you know I was a good teammate. I played two years probably extra in NHL because I was a good teammate. Like, Lou could have sent me down a million times, but I was a good teammate. I made everybody laugh. So they knew I was a good dude, but I was cocky. And they had to just put me in my place. And I needed to show them that because I just needed to show everybody that awesome-ass team. A lot of those guys are Stanley Cup winners. Like, I'm a 5'11 dude from Eureka, Missouri who's cocky. And I can't go stick up for myself after a Rocky guy. You better go do that. You better go do that. And after that, they you look at the bench. They they go crazy. We all hang out that night. They, you know, I, they just took care of me, man, but I was good to them. You know, they knew that I would do anything for them. And any, anybody looked at anybody on that team, I would stick up for them. No one, dude, do we ever get bullied around ever? Like ever. No one's ever said, well, Cam was on, but he want to fight that one guy. That's just never the case. Now, I didn't score that many goals or maybe the whatever. But no, I always stuck out for my teammates. And they all know that, man. So it's just a good feeling to have. Was was
0: (laughs) Was McGratton the toughest guy you ever
2: fought? Man, that's a loaded question, dude. Yeah, I'm sure you hear it all the time. I want McGratton because I knew I could go with him. I knew I can go with him. I knew if I fought McGrath, I'm like, give me my grip, baby, give me my grip. Let's go. And then I'd take 50 punches. I'd eat him off the back of my head, and I'd finally get it. I'm like, ah, oh, here we go. Because he knew I, I knew I could hit him. He let me hit him. I, if I knew how to get my groove, I could hit him, and we can make a badass fight. Look at our fights; they're ridiculous. Like no one's ever doing that again. Like no one's six five foot eleven guy is going to fight a six foot five guy in today's game. And go like let's go boom and trade and like and eat fifty of them to get a punch in, and I just I just knew how to be a warrior. But when, when it comes to McGrattan, like I, I knew that he'd go me. Some of those other guys would just string you out and be like, nope nope nope, and it'd just be bad fights. But McGratton, I'm like let's have put on it. He knew it's all about putting on a show. Let's put on a show, baby. Let's do it for everybody. Let's go for two and a half minutes. If we both want to do this in the crowd, so be it. We kick the crap out of each other. I love that man. He's sober. He went through hell. I, I hang out with him in different events. I love Brian McGrath. He's a sweetheart,
0: and he does great things for the hockey community. Your calling card, Cam, when you were fighting was the often you know, taking 30 punches to start the fight. It was like you needed to get hit to get riled up kind of thing. I was and you'd always push the refs. Yeah. I was always short. push it the was refs the off, to- too?
2: Listen to me. It wasn't I needed to take 30 to get going. It's more like I'm 5'11", and I'm fighting guys way bigger than me, and I can finally get my grip when I need to get my grip. I had to eat punches to make the fight out of it. It wasn't like, no, go ahead, hit me. No, it was more like, I don't have a goddamn grip because you're <laughs> 6'5", and you know what you're doing. So I got to eat 50, and there's 20,000 people watching. I'm not just going down and be like, oh, I did it like I do now. Like, ah, I threw a punch. No, I, I beat me. And if I get knocked out, fine. But I'm going to get you at the end if I'm still good. So sorry to cut you off, man. I oh. like, you got me riled up. Now <laughs> it's more like, no, it's honestly more like I wanted to show that I could eat them. I knew how to eat them. I wasn't taking them off the chin. I was taking them off the forehead. I just knew how to do it. Like, you just like a boxer. Like, you, just, you figure it out, man. I've been doing it. I didn't just start doing it when I was in NHL. I was a killer when I was young, to be honest with you. In a, not in a bad way, but like I just was a, I, I'd fight, I fought a 40 year old man one time when I was 14 years old. I'm not gonna lie to you. I remember being out there, at the, it was down at the Lake of the Ozarks, and I am sitting in high chairs. And I stole beer from my dad and my buddy, and I'm drinking beer. And these guys were walking to a party, this big bar down the road, and I'm talking shit to all of them. And I finally, like, oh, you're gonna get late tonight, you whatever. And he goes, what'd you say, little boy? I go, I'll go, you. And he picked me up and he slammed me down. And my shoulder ripped out when I was 14 years old. I'm like, that was just a lesson. It's a lesson in life. You got to know how to, you can't do that. Like you just, my dad got so mad at me. I had to get surgery. He cost him out the ass. Like it was bad. And you just learn from that kind of stuff. But once you know that you're not as big as everybody, but if I fight you and I give you a go, it doesn't matter if you beat me. I already won if I stand in there. That's the moral. And that's not just a moral for fighting. That's a moral story for girls playing against boys at a young age. This said, don't ever be intimidated by, by anybody in the workforce. Don't ever let anybody intimidate you. Don't anybody take advantage of you. Don't you ever, if I'm a, if I have kids, which I might, there might be some in Windsor right now. I don't want to, that's true. But <laughs> if I had kids, I would, my parents told me, don't you let anybody take advantage of you in any way possible. You see that happening all the time. Bullying, don't you ever let that happen. And that was just kind of my mindset when I fought these guys. They might beat me, but if I could hang in there, I won the fight. Rambling again, sorry.
1: You are clearly a guy that is proud of your Missouri roots. So I wonder yeah, if yeah. you can, yeah. So I wonder if you can even put into words, Cam,
2: what it meant to put on that St. Louis Blues jersey for the first time. <laughs> Would have my all my... Uh, all the girls I tried to like talk to in high school that didn't want anything to do with me. And now I'm like beating bagging guys up in front of 20,000 people and taking my Jersey off and flexing my pecs in the penalty box. Yeah. Yeah. That felt good. Think about that for a second. Right. Like just think about that. Like it was so, it was, (laughs) it was too much (laughs) because I'm a guy, I had two different lives, dude. I had my, my hockey buddies and I had my high school buddies that don't even play hockey. And they're just like watching you play. And it's just like, it's crazy. And I'd take everybody out, man. I'd get limos. I would take care of the guys so much. To where I spent so much money, but it, it all comes back. It's like a boomerang. You ever listen to a, uh, what's that band called? The, they, they sing a call called The Hook, where it's like a little boomerang. And it just always comes back around. Meaning, I went out and I spent a ton of money in these bars. And I met so many damn people. And I partied so hard, which is horrible. But it, I look back at it now doing radio and I'm like, now I know these guys. Like they know that you took care of people and now they sponsor you and stuff. It's just, just weird how it works. Don't get addicted to things like I did. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I done here, died twice. But if you take care of people, man, and you stay in that town, they'll take care of you. They remember it. They do. Just like I remember you guys. And now that uh, I don't do many of these. And you guys are from Guelph. I'm like, man, that, that city took care of me. I'll do anything for you guys. Like, what do you want? <laughs> Who I mean, knew that you, was the what we needed from, like, to get some, on, I'm yeah. sorry. If you're from anywhere else, I'd be like, uh, I, you know, I can't do everything,
0: man, because I get invited. But, but Guelph, you guys took care of me, dude. And I love all you. Farzi was the uh, TV play-by-play guy during that season. So are, play-by-play Farzi or were you a host? No, I was hosting. Here? Hosting. I'm going to get nice to that in just you? a sec. Was I nice to you? I'm going to
1: get to that in a sec, but the answer is absolutely yes.
0: Okay. Cocky, though,
2: to- but nice.
0: Yes and yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not- I know.
2: I know. Yeah.
0: I know. I get it. I get uh, it. I, I got to ask about this. You go back to New Jersey, and in one of your final years, you get to play with the icon, Yarmir Yager. Oh, Jesus. What was he like? So, uh,
2: <laughs> so this was so one of my, like, years where, like, Lou uh, – Lou wanted me on the team because I was a good dude. Nah, he could have found somebody else to kind of do what I did, right? But he wanted me on the team because I was good in the locker room. I was, I was always there. I was always there early. I, I was, hey, guys. I was sticking around like bit, 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 before everybody showed up. I'd always, I'd, even if I parted, I would always make sure I was there before anybody. When Lou walked in the locker room, I was there with the trainers. Hey, like, hi. Even if I did, didn't sleep much last night, I was always there for them. So Lou put me next to Yogg's, of course, in the locker room. And he's a very religious guy. I love him to death. He was so sweet to me. But he was an ass to a lot of people on the team. (laughs) But sometimes I would, he would put all his stuff next to me. And I would take his rosary. He had his rosary. And he'd read the Bible before games. And I'd be like... Look at that bible real quick. And I'd look at it and he'd be like, What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, sorry, God, take it, take it. Sorry. Sorry about that. And then, like, his rosary be down, he'd pray to it, and I'd take his rosary to put it over. He'd want to kill me. And he'd go out there and score a couple goals. He was so sweet, but he would bash guys in the locker room and then like get me involved to bash the guy. I'm like, I ain't doing that, homeboy. He was just so unique. He worked his ass off in every way possible, but he was he he sometimes uh, at road trips we live next to each other he'd drive me home in his like 200,000 hour Mercedes and I'd be going I go <sighs> I go dude Yogg's what the hell is that smell he's like oh what do you mean I go your engine smoking <laughs> your engine's smoking you idiot he's like well no 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 I go yes it is I go when did you get your oil chains oh I don't know about that I don't know about that <laughs> I don't know you don't know about your oil chain you have a 200,000 hour car you're driving me home from a road trip. I love you. I'll do anything for you, but like it's smoking to a point where like I'm like getting high off of fumes. Figure that out, dude. Like he was, it's just weird things like that, man. I, I love him though. He was good to me, dude. I can't. That's all I can say about that. I did steal his rosary and he got pissed about. You steal a guy's rosary, maybe he gets a little <laughs> you pissed. know. it's like it's <laughs> like Satan does that, right? For right. Some, exactly. Yeah. Okay.
1: Be- before we let you go, I want to I want to go back to Guelph because. Honestly, Cam, and I'm not just saying this because you're here, Popper will back me up on this. I have said on many occasions over all these years where I'm still in the O and you've been to the show and back, but uh, you were then and remain still one of my favorite interviews because you just, when you came on with us, you just told it like it was. You were honest. You were real. How do you feel now being on the other side? You're in radio. You're doing podcasting. What do you think of the media
2: side? Great question. You know, I'm not educated, right? So you know, when I retired, I was kind of forced into it. Of course, like I'm not a big, I I don't have 50 million in a bank. Like I I spent a lot of money on painkillers and drugs and stuff. I had to get through things. So I had to kind of start from scratch and I just knew I had so many connections and these radio personnel or radio stations in St. Louis, like, dude, we want you, you know, like they, they want you. And I, and I'm like, And so I started working with radio and everybody I'm working with went to like Mizzou, right? Mizzou in St. Louis, which is like a broadcasting school. They went there, they spent a hundred grand, they're in debt. And they knew all the ins and outs of everything, but I just knew how to talk to people and I have my story and I went through weird, cool things. That's just unique. And I just, I figured it out. But what I do is, I get up every morning. You know what my you know my job was when I played? Get up, work out, do your thing, stick handle, blah blah blah, box, this, skate. Now it's like, how do I work hard to do? I read. I read all day. I listen to people, I listen to podcasts, I listen to humor, I listen to funny people and how they react in funny ways. I listen to how storytellers tell stories. I listen to how interviewers tell interviews, and I just listen, listen, and absorb. I didn't get any, I wasn't educated on anything. And I just I have to be myself and I'm self-deprecating and I don't act like I don't try to act cool sometimes I get cocky I know that but I self and I just have my rhythm and people like it and I'm real and I I'm open about my past about everything and I want people to learn now here's another thing I do I keep my dms open for everybody if you have a problem with something I'll talk to you I've been through everything I swear to god I have with so many weird things. I've lived a life, but I've lived hardcore things. Where I have to, it's all self-induced. Wasn't like my family beat me. No, me, me only. And I open up and I'll talk to people. People call me from Canada and I'll sit there for 30 minutes. and be Like, what do you think though? Well, what do you, well, what's your wife think? To random people, I don't even know. I love that. And I just know where my niche is with this. And I'm, I'm open and I want to help people. And uh, I'll entertain you too. So I I, I got what I, what I need. I work hard and I listen to everything, but, um, but it's not like I wake up in the morning like, oh I gotta do my show. No, I wake up like this. Like, what do I got? The blues, let's see. I'm going to write, here's a funny segue, blah, 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 like all that kind of stuff, man. And now I make good money doing it. And people want to hear you every day. Popper, you could learn something about
0: show prep from this guy. I I know. I need (laughs) to be doing some more work. I need a producer. (laughs) Hire me. Uh, I got you. Uh, Perfect. Perfect. Uh, I got to ask you, go over to Nottingham. It's the last stop of your pro career. I try to ask a question. If someone played with a former guest that we had, i like to bring up their name. And we had David Ling on this podcast.
2: Oh, Lord, EB. That's my dog right there. I love him so much. I Let me tell you something. So we were playing in Nottingham. I'm the guy there, right? Like, I'm the new guy. i played playing the show. Everybody was so sweet. Like, the God, I love that damn town. The people... They treated my wife like she was honestly royalty. They'd cart her around and take her everywhere. They treat, I busted my ass for them. I wasn't making much money. I didn't give a damn. If I'm going to go play for you, if I'm committed to something, even if I know they don't have the money to pay me, I don't give a damn. I just did it. They made me dress up. They didn't make me do it. They asked me to dress up like Hulk Hogan, rip my shirt off in front of people before I knew anybody and I did it because I don't give a damn. But when they grab Linger, People were like, getting linger," and I was like, kind of worried. I'm like, "Is he gonna? Is he gonna piss me off in the locker room? Like, is he gonna be that? Am I gonna have to go? Like, is he think he's gonna be that guy? Because I hear weird things about him. And when I met him, oh my god, oh my god, we laughed. We took the locker room over. We laughed. We would hold press conferences on the funniest. He was so damn funny. He's so damn skilled. He's so damn tough. He's such an enigma to so many things. He should be way more popular than what he is. He will act like he's skiing behind his Zamboni like a psychopath in front of 15 heavyweights on the other team, by the way. Like, you see him do that. There's 15 heavies that want to kill him. And he doesn't give a damn. He was so awesome. And he had to quit halfway through the season, although we still won. And it just was a thing with his family. But I was worried about him coming in. And when I met him, we became best buddies and we took, took over the locker room and we tell the stories in the back of the bus. Like, get back here, everybody. Let's go. Open that wine up. Let's do it. Linger, who would you do that? Linger. You- oh, God. Oh, my God. When- I laughed so much with him. I love that guy, man. Nova Scotia, buddy. And he had Novi. Is he a Newfie? Is it Newfie or Novi?
0: <laughs> He's whatever. He's from the East Coast and he is hilarious. Oh, and,
1: and all the stories he told were true,
0: apparently. Yeah. 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 There you Why go.
1: would he say? He well, had he lots.
0: To, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. He talked about skiing behind lost.
1: the Zamboni. And yeah, yeah. He, always having a good time, that boy.
2: Always, always. Now, me and him had an FU match in the locker room a couple of times. Oh. Well, yeah, you got two alpha males, dude. Yeah. You got two alpha males. And he wasn't doing great on the power play. We were struggling a little bit. And I am I don't like chirp. Like, like you. you know where you're at. But at that point, at that team... I had to call him out, and we went, what? boom, what are you going to – like, didn't do it then, Linger. Then do it. What would he do? Go out there and score three in a row. And, <laughs> you know, like just – and if somebody did that to me, you know, like you're not fighting, you're not sticking for a team, which doesn't happen much, but like, you know, like you're not playing – okay, let me go prove it to you. And he did that. Like little things like that. He could have just like packed it away like, I don't give a damn. No, I pumped him up, and he scored three, and he knocked somebody out probably – and then we partied all night, and then we won like 15 straight. <laughs> like, guess is how it is, man. You just – right, guys. They need to be the right guys. They just need to be the right guys. They do. And everybody that knows knows what I'm talking about with that. They got to be the right guys. So if you think you're the right guy in the locker room, and even if you're a parent listening and your son is the alpha male, like, just remember that. He's got to balance everything. You got to balance everything. You're not too cocky. Don't give him everything. All the agents are on him. He's got to balance everything in the locker room. He can't be this because all the other guys are gonna make, like, oh, screw yourself. I'm not listening to you. You're here. You gotta balance. You gotta be in with everybody.
0: It, it's out to just pull up. down, all y'all. Go ahead, Farzy. No, it's to you. Oh, I was just gonna say it's at this point of the podcast. I know we have to let you go, but I always have one last question. Always he's always I, got one more. I cool. know, I know Kate's looking after two dogs and the cat, and you gotta give her a break here. But yeah. one of the favorite stories I've heard, and I'm hoping you can retell it is game seven the blues win the cup and somehow you are outside of the arena oh <laughs> man that was a long day man
2: like i got um you know local tv stations hiring me to go up there they wanted me to stay in this one thing and kate and i, I flew kate up and we stayed in like an expensive place right downtown looking over everything it just lovely i get i had to get up at six o'clock in the morning i got my buddies all up there we're all like oh, don't even you don't even want to know. But I had to get my suit on. I had to get normal. I had to do a TV the whole time, which TV wears you out. Camera's on you. Am I sweating? How's my face look? Do I look crazy? Am I okay? Did I say the right thing? Like it's live. It wears you out. And so at the very end, they win. It was just so weird. And I'm doing like posts. Like somebody look at my family. Are they okay? Like the whole city is going crazy. People are having heart attacks. Like it's nuts. So in St. Louis. It's crazy in St. Louis. And finally, I'm sitting upstairs and everybody else is down the ice, but I got to do a live read from up in the press box. And I'm looking at all my buddies are all on the ice. They're all partying. Like even my buddies that aren't even on the team are like partying. I'm like, get me down there. And so I'm just stressed out. I finally get done. And I talk to these Boston, Boston, like security guards. And I'm in my suit. They know who I am. like, you know, I'm a player or something, right? Like, I'm not, I got passes, uh, you know. I go, I need to get into the ice. They escort me down, escort me down. They're all so pissy. And I'm pissy too. So I probably wasn't like the best dude to like ask for directions. And they escort me out. And I go through a, which is so dumb on my part. They're like, go this way. And I open the doors, which is like 50 doors with no back thing, which I should have. And I go, hi, open sesame. Kling, clink kling. I'm outside. I go, oh, those sons of bitches. They just push me. I'm like, what? Like what? what am I doing? I, oh my God, I lost my mind. I'm like, get me. I need it. I need to find my wife. I need to go home. I need a beer. I can't do this anymore. I ruined everything. It was just such a long night. And then you have to process it. And look, it all made up for itself. It's a funny story. I told them on spitting chiclets, but those guys threw me out of the building and I was just so aloof to what, where I was like, you know, in, in the building. And they just toyed with me and it's kind of funny in a stupid way on my part. But finally I found my wife who couldn't even get into the game. And we took a horse and carriage with, we got a big thing of beer. We took a horse and carriage. like (sighs) we drank it. And we went back to the hotel and like, you know, made love all night. So it's all good. That sounds like
1: happily ever after from where I'm sitting. That's what you do,
2: homie. That's what you do.
0: (laughs) That's a perfect way to celebrate St. Louis winning the cup.
1: Oh man. Cam, listen, can't thank you enough for making the time. This has been really great to catch up with you. Good to see you doing so well. And
2: uh, thanks for doing this, man. Dude, I love you guys. I love you, all y'all in Guelph, man. You guys treated me great. I, I'm going to come up for a golf tournament. Like, it's tough to get to Canada right now. I get that. But once things get normal, I'm going to come up there. We're going to do a badass golf tournament. We're all going to party. That sounds That's like cool. a plan. Love, love it. Thanks a lot for coming guys. on,
0: Janie. See you, dudes. Be cool.
1: Hi, I'm Emily Roger. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.